Welcome to the Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. Okay. Natalie, so excited to have you back and to chat a little bit today about how business owners can get out of this desperation cycle when hiring and eliminate mishires by really identifying the true need in their business and establishing a process for success. So before we get into all of that, why don't you take the clock back and really help us to understand how did you get into this world and build the incredible, you know, hiring agency that you have today and realize that this was such a great need for business owners. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Kelly. I, you know, turning back that clock is always a fun one because it's so easy or it's enjoyable to connect the dots looking backwards. But as you're building them and as many of your listeners are today, it, it seems like you'll never get to where you want to be. But um, so when I turn it back, I worked in corporate for 15 years and a large, actually a decade of my time in corporate was in human resources. And while I was in the human resources area, I did a lot of hiring, a lot of recruiting, put together recruiting programs and diversity trainings and worked in learning and development. So spent, like I said, a decade in the HR space. And from there, I moved into more of a general um, operational space, which I also have a company in the operations space as well. And those two companies really work hand in hand many times because operations and HR fall right under one another or hand in hand. So um, my my background is, is really always been deeply invested in people finding really good talent and always up-leveling the people who come into those roles and finding the best spots inside of organizations. I love it. So let's talk a little bit. I think one of the biggest misconceptions or issues that small business owners have is that they start searching for someone to add to their team once they need someone for their team. So let's start, Natalie, at the very beginning, and let's talk about setting realistic expectations of when this process should start in relationship to when you actually want someone to join your team. Because I think that is bar none what leads to desperate, urgent hires, which then leads to mishires, which then leads to just this cycle of constant replacement, you know, in in businesses. Yes. So we all talk, as business owners, we talk about the fear and the overwhelm and the frustration with turnover. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we spend so much time there, but we don't spend enough time turning back that clock to see why we got into that situation. And so when you're at the place, you know, we all, hopefully all of us have gotten to the place where it's like, oh, I want to start delegating. I want a few things to come off of my desk. And as an entrepreneur and as a small business owner, At the beginning, we kind of pull things off slowly, slowly, slowly. So we're working with independent contractors and on a, in a fractional capacity, fractional, meaning a fraction of their work time is spent with you, but it's also spent with other people. And those are typically independent contractors. And you're going to, you know, that, that is, that situation is going to change for you over time. You may get to the place where you're only hiring employees and, you know, there's a lot of, of legality and, you know, whatever structures work best for you, but we're going to, you have the opportunity to look at hiring from many different angles. The, the hard part is when you get into that momentum, momentum 
excuse me, when you get into that space of momentum and you're ready to just bring somebody in and you're, you're in one breath, you're done with doing some of the things that you can't wait to get rid of. And on the other hand, you're so excited to have the resources to work alongside you, the energy, the same things, you know, both of us have come from corporate and there were yes. lots of great things about corporate and having yes. that community there was one of the funnest things about going into the office. And so as we work more remote and digitally, you know, there's still that crave that there's still a craving there, but we get those feelings, both overwhelm and ready to delegate at the same time, excitement to bring somebody into your fold that I just so many times we just run out to the market and say, Hey, I'm ready. Anybody ready? Yeah. Come with me. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your past is. I don't care anything. I just need a beating heart and a beating heart will, well, the wrong beating heart will never help you out long term yes. and yes. we'll get in, you into some really sticky situations. Yes. So at the hiring authority, our company, we help people to slow down and to, from the very beginning, identify who, who it is. You know, we even get people who are like, Hey, Natalie, I want to hire a director of operations or a virtual assistant or a copywriter or whatever. And our, we help them to slow down and say, you know what, that, that may be what's the top of mind, but let's like go down to the way deeper. The surface level is not going to work here. So what are the true skills and attributes that you need? What, how can you get a return on investment from this person? Mm -hmm. And that's a key step that we you know, skip a lot of times. And then what does success look like for this person? Then Mm -hmm. we start talking about what the title of the role could be, what kind of hours this is going to take. It's just, it's amazing. And it makes so much sense as we talk about this today, but it's amazing how many times people come to me and say, I want uh, this title, this many hours. And, you know, those are not even the most important things. Those are things that that we can determine once we have a really clear understanding of the scope of what's needed for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I mean, I, I think uh, a three to four month window really um, before you're ready to have that person in the seat to be able to go through the planning and the strategy and, and getting clear on what are the, the questions that need to be asked to truly gain an understanding if someone is going to be the right fit. And, you know, just going through the vetting process. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when I did recruiting in corporate was like, we never stop recruiting until the butt was in the seat. You don't stop recruiting because I think that's one of the other things that always surprises people is, you know, they think they have someone in in the bag, they're going to start, you know, something comes up last minute and now it's like, oh my gosh, now it's another four month process to completely start over. So I think giving yourself a multi month window, right? Asking those questions that you talked about to really dig deep into the actual business need um, and getting super clear on that. Now, I I think a lot of times there's the skill set fit and then obviously there's the culture fit. And I think a lot of times people really focus on the skill fit and they don't really feel clear on how to assess for culture fit. Can you speak a little bit to that, Natalie? Because I think that's where we, we tend to miss the mark quite a bit. Yeah, that's great, Kelly. Um, and we we focus, you know, I think our world focuses on skills first because big business focuses on skills first yeah. because they don't have to worry about the culture. They have such an autonomy yes. that they can force people into believing their culture yeah. or their values. Whereas <laughs> in super small business, you you will stick out like a sore thumb if yeah, you that's aren't a great a cultural point. fit. Yeah. Um, so we 
you know, when you're thinking of culture as it pertains to small business, really look at your values. And if you're a tiny business that maybe has under 10 employees or 10 people working on your team, I'm going to tell you that start with your personal values because it takes most of us are going to start with personal values that have led us to build this company. A lot of us are leading passion filled companies, which are going to be based off of you. So identifying what your values are and looking for a similarity in the values of the people that you're, uh, that are applying for this role. I'm not saying that they have to be personality fits. I, I do want to make that very clear that a values fit doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be your BFF, right? You're mm-hmm. looking for people who, who, who value the same things that you value, right? So mm-hmm. at your core, if you know what you stand for, you're going to, you're going to look for that in other, in other people. I like to think about if you go out for breakfast on Saturday morning or maybe happy hour on Friday evening, and you're looking at your peer group or your friends and you say, who would I take? Who are the five people? If I could choose anybody, who are the five people I would take with me? and you dissect why those people are there, you're going to come back to the values that you're looking for in other people. And it seems like a wild exercise because what I just shared with you is something that's very personal. When you're pulling people into a small business that is, that is you know, tiny in, in scope, you're going to want people that you would want to take to, brec- to breakfast or to happy hour. You know, you're going to want people who, who value the things that you want. They may think differently. They're going to have different past experiences, different childhoods. All that good stuff leads us to have good, rich relationships. But you need a values fit in, in arguably even in corporate. They could benefit by looking at things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but we look for values first, then skill set. And then culture is that third thing. And the reason I put it third is not because it's least important, but because it takes businesses several years to actually build an independent, tangible culture. Mm -hmm. My business is seven years old. We've got 11 people working for us. And I can tell you that we're just in the baby stages of really having culture outside of my Natalie's values. So values first and then skill set. And in the market that we are in today, it's 1000% doable to, to hire in that fashion versus the way that you may, that you see our a corporation's hiring, which is always skills first, maybe even education, which all of that is changing so rapidly. And I think that we're just, there's never been a better time for us to be in the situ- in the work situation that we are. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the things that you're seeing? I mean, obviously, as we're having this conversation, we're amidst the great resignation. So there's a lot of transients in the workforce right now. Mm-hmm. What are some of the trends that you're seeing, you know, in, in companies that you're working with, that you're placing people for, that you're, you know, hearing from? I love this. You know, when I started recruiting for small businesses and mostly focused on online delivery style businesses about six years ago, we were looking for entry level talent everywhere. And mm-hmm. It, it made sense at the time. And as I have grown, the business has grown and our market has grown. The number of people that we're able to serve has grown. We're seeing more people looking for high level contributors. Yeah. It's just a completely different market. Um, the, you know, the great resignation has had a lot of very qualified people walking out of, you know, executive roles, even, even mm-hmm. honestly, even entry level roles. But I think mm-hmm. that the, the world is shifting and the workforce is shifting to where people are looking at 
their individual contributions. They're looking at their visions, where they, what they are capable of, where they want to be. And they're skipping many of the steps that as young children, especially young as a young female, we were taught we had to start entry level and we had to spend 15 years yeah. in, in, in entry level to, to someday be able to rise our hand up and say, yes, we can try to be to apply for this strategic role. I, I think the greatest shift that we're seeing is, is companies are standing up organizations faster than they were in the past and they're looking for you know, contributors at a higher level. Now, now that entry level and those, that implementation level of work is always going to be necessary and needed. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, the greatest shift is that CEOs are truly moving into a CEO role Mm -hmm. and not a hybrid role, which, you know, frankly, we all have to do as we're building our businesses. But I see leaders are taking the plunge earlier to move into a leadership role and abdicating responsibilities to capable strategists much earlier in the journey than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, we, that's exactly the transition that we've gone through and it's, it's been amazing and it's, it's hard work. You know, it's not, it's not a flip of a switch, but we, we went through that journey of first needing all of these entry level people and hiring really broad and really wide and really fast and all of those things. And then as the business evolved, we, we got really strategic and we started saying, no, we don't need all these entry level people actually we need skilled, talented leaders that can create culture, that can motivate, that can inspire, that can engage. And you actually then need less people because you have the brains, not just the body. Um, and that's not to say anything, you know, negative about entry-level people. We were all entry-level people, yep. right? But over time, you go from being an entry-level person to developing critical thinking skills, leadership skills, strategy skills, right, that that can make a far greater impact on an organization than someone that is simply just doing, right? Uh, absolutely. And I find that people in those roles are being fulfilled, so they're staying longer, turnover is decreasing, mm-hmm. morale is increased, all the things we dream of. Mm-hmm. And it's not yeah. just that the business owner benefits from that the, the, the people, the talent that we're bringing in actually is being developed internally and small business. And especially in the online market has had a big stigma and it's not wrong for many years. It has been a place where you only really raised your hand and stood with that company for a short time so that you could up level by going to another company. So there's a lot of jumping, a lot of, you know, just a lot of turnover and that's not good for either party. So mm-hmm. I think that's another shift that's happening is is the the development internally so that you keep labor around longer. If you've got somebody who's invested in what you're building, invested in your mission and where you want to go and is all in, you want to keep them yeah. at any, yeah, yeah at, almost at any expense, not necessarily yeah. just financially, but that's yeah. hard to replace. No, a thousand percent. And having a couple of people on your team that you feel can represent your brand in the way that you would is everything. And I feel like, you know, it's getting to that point where you feel like you're almost interchangeable with members of your team. And I think, you know, when people are early in the team building process, that feels completely out of reach. And and there is a significant learning curve. And I came from staffing and recruiting. I spent over a decade in staffing and recruiting. And even when I was building my company and we were going through the scale process, I made a ton 
ton of hiring mistakes. I hired a lot of people that were not going to thrive with the high performance culture of our business that were not going to be a match long term. And so I think for, for all the business owners listening, you know, I always talk about like not allowing hiring fatigue to prevent you from achieving your dream because no matter how much expertise you have as a business leader, recruiting, interviewing, hiring, it's not the same if you did it in another company. It, you have to learn how to do it in your company today, like this mm -hmm. company that you're building and that you're running. And chances are it's completely different from whatever environment you came up in, just kind of like what you are referencing there, Natalie, it's completely different. You have to go through that learning curve, but it, it really is uh, incredible, you know, what is available at the, at the other side of that. So what are some of the things like, let's just go through some, some big do's and don'ts that you feel could really save people a lot of time and money with mishires as they go to build their team. First of all, getting clear on separating operational roles from marketing roles. They say that 3% of our population actually has a crossover in right and left brain. And that's the best way for me to be able to put that together. So I encourage all of the people that we work with to get clear. Are you needing operations or are you needing marketing? So doing your best that. not yeah. to cross those over. Secondly, you've you have got to use, I don't care how big, how small your company is, you've got to use a a true job description. Take the time to actually write out what your needs are. Yeah. You'll that person will never hit your mark. They will never stay with your company long if they don't know what your expectations are. And a job description is the best way to do that. And honestly, I've, I've worked with people. I don't care if it's all these beautiful, you know, elaborate sentences. Just get something on paper so that you have a mechanism of communication both ways, both you to them and them to you. Um, I'm a big believer in an application process. There's just so much bias that can happen with, you know, we, I think we've probably all seen those Facebook and LinkedIn posts like, hey, I'm looking for a project manager. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is that post right there. <laughs> it is like the cardinal sin of growing your company because you're only hiring desperate people. And Kelly, you opened up this, this podcast today by using that word desperate. And I love that because I always say desperate yeah. people hire desperate people yeah. because the only yeah. person who raises their hand to, do you have a project or, you know, do you know a project manager yeah. is a desperate person, right? So oh they don't gosh, know what they're I've getting. totally done that. I've totally done that. <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged. Absolutely. And I guarantee those people are no longer with my company. <laughs> Not Without a doubt, but the job description, having an application, and then, you know, not being afraid to, to do the values work yeah. and asking them for their values in the interview process. You, you need to do whatever it takes for you to understand what their values look like as they're compared to yours, but it's unfair to ask them theirs without you having done yeah. you know deep reflection. So that really all comes up for us in the job description part. Like what yeah. is it that you're looking for? What is your company like? Where do you want to go? What does success look like? The last tip I have is um, we create something called key results areas, KRAs, and they are 30, 60, 90 day goals. So this person's going to be coming into your company. These are, to me, they are the absolute gold in onboarding someone. From the very beginning, yeah. we include them in our contracts and our agreements when they're joining us. Yeah. They're lined out the, the 
you know, the end user or the new hire knows exactly what they are supposed to be doing. And whoever is training this person actually now gets a shortcut of what they're going to be onboarding about. So um, I, I believe that KRAs are often overlooked and it's really just what is expected of this person. What does success look like in this role in the first 30 days, the first 60 days, and the first 90 days? If you've created the job description with the responsibilities listed, it's just a copy and a paste. Figure out which 30-day segment you want them to do them and and you're good. So there's no magic to them. You've already done the work if you've created the job description. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, we've done that process with you. I've actually used the KRAs as the the guide for the 30, 60, 90, which has been unbelievably helpful. I mean, it literally outlines your exact roadmap, um, which is especially important when it's a new role, because mm-hmm. if you're not prompted to put all of that together in advance, you're flying by the seat of your pants, never works out very well. Um, so these are great, great tips and strategies, Natalie. And, you know, I've worked with your firm before. You guys have helped us out with finding some very high level, really specific niche roles for our company. Why don't we share with everyone a little bit about how they can learn more about what you do, where they can connect with you, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. And it's always a pleasure to work with you and lots of your peers. Um, we So we're the hiring authority. You can find us at thehiringauthority.com. And we are a full service, you know, one-to-one agency. You're going to work with the same hiring manager throughout the entire process. We do everything from write the job description to doing the interview placements. Um, we stop at the onboarding phase, but you can find us at thehiringauthority.com and um, it, it will save you like 30, we, we estimate 30 to 40 hours of, of labor yeah. and a lot of stress. <laughs> that, that is for sure. That is absolutely for sure. It was a pleasure having you on the show, Natalie. Great friend of mine. Great to connect with you again. And guys, you can check out the hiringauthority.com. Think strategically about your plan for hiring for the rest of the year. Be preparing at least four months in advance for when you want to get someone on board and use the tips and strategies that Natalie gave you today to eliminate as many possible mishires as humanly possible. All right. Thank you guys for listening, Natalie. It was great to see you. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week. We'll see you next time.